So, as you can see on the board here, the title of our message this morning is The Broken and Brokenness. And we're going to be jumping around to a bunch of different scriptures. So if you don't have a Bible and you'd like one, please raise your hand. We'd like to put one in your hand. If you don't have one and you want to take that home with you, that's our gift to you. Just raise your hand if you need a Bible. I have mine here, so I don't need one while I was raising my hand. Um, Praise the Lord, I have mine here. That would be embarrassing, Um, which I've done that before, so... Full disclosure. So, yeah, the title this morning is Broken and Brokenness. Uh, I want to talk and just clarify just a minute about two different types of brokenness that we see inside of the scriptures. Um, The first type of brokenness that we see is called human beings. It's called the human people. We are all broken people. Ever since the Garden of Eden, there's not been anyone except for Jesus Christ that's actually been a whole person one that is completely and fully fixed, completely and fully whole. All the rest of us are born into sin. And because we're born into sin, we're born broken. Most of us actually spend most of our lives trying to hide our brokenness from each other. Um, You can just take a glance on Insta, Facebook, Twitter, whatever those things are called, and you can see how most of people are actually trying to hide the brokenness that's in their lives. We post our own photos in our perfect little way with our perfect little family and try to make everybody else feel like they're not that perfect little family like we are. Um, If you're around my house for about 15 seconds, you can see brokenness in our household. Um, Most of that's probably mine, so sorry about that. But we have this brokenness that is called being human. And the only way to not be broken is to come and be fixed. See this picture of glass on the front of the, what do you call this thing, the projector screen. It says that the broken and the brokenness. That glass right there, although shattered, although broken into pieces, can actually be put back together by a skilled person. The wonderful thing that we have is that our Jesus is our skilled person to put us back together. Let's just stop and think for a second about the things that you have tried to hide in your brokenness, the way that you've been broken. I have uh, done a really good job at points in my life trying to hide my anger issues until the Lord fixed some of those anger issues. I've done a really good job of my life of trying to hide the sin that I want to put in the closet. You know, sin, things that you put in the closet, they usually die and leave skeletons. The problem with skeletons is that people find them, right? But one of the things that God wants us to do is to reveal our skeletons. There's a singer, a guy who sang for a band called Cademan's Call in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s named Derek Webb. He held a house concert back in the early 2000s. And one of the things that he, that he made a song of was called I Repent. And in that song, the introduction of that song, he talks about how each one of us, if we put our brokenness on a TV so everyone could see it, it would actually be one of the greatest things for each one of us. Because then we would have no reason to hide anything. Instead, it would be all out there in front of us. And we would realize that we're all a little broken. Kind of like we say, or at least I've always said this, each one of us are crazy. And to fall in love, we have to find a type of crazy that we actually like. (laughs) 
Just saying. There's some truth to it, if you realize it, anyways. My wife, bless her, has uh, got a whole bunch of crazy right here. I don't know why she liked it, but the Lord knows. So before we step into our scripture, I just want to clarify that we're all broken. Each one of us are broken people. And so we're not going to talk. That's the broken piece in this talk that we're talking about is each one of us is a broken person. And that revelation of being a broken person is the first step that most, if not all of us, take into the kingdom of God. You have to realize that you're broken and you need fixing, or as we call it, you need a savior, and his name is Jesus. Let's take a look at Jeremiah 2 for a second. We're going to start there, and then we're going to jump to a whole bunch of different scriptures. In Jeremiah 2, Jeremiah, God gives Jeremiah a pretty good picture of <clears throat> what this looks like inside of our lives. He's talking to the Israelites here. He's talking about the Israelites. And we see in verse 13, God tells Jeremiah, he says, For my people have committed two evils. Jeremiah 2.13. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me. That's the first evil. Israel had forsaken God. But this is also true of us a lot of times, of the human people. Our brokenness is that we have forsaken God, the one who made us, the one who actually holds us together. No breath can be taken. No movement can be moved without Jesus Christ, without God, our creator, allowing it to happen. He literally holds all things together. So they've sat there and they have forsaken him. Who is he? He's the fountain of living waters, forsaken the fountain of living waters. Here's the second thing they did. They hewed out cisterns for themselves. So they went and they dug out these places to have water come into them because they don't need the living water. Instead, they want to gather their own water. So they've done two things. One, forsaken God. Two, said, I'm going to do it on my own. Sound familiar? Sounds a lot like Zach Calthorn. But what are these cisterns that they have? They've hewed for themselves broken cisterns that can hold no water. How many self-help books are there out there? Just one or two. Not a whole section of it in Barnes & Noble, on Kindle, a million of these self-help books, but all of them are broken cisterns. They leak the water, the holy water the living water of Jesus Christ is the only water that can actually quench our thirst. Have you guys ever been asked a question? My, whenever I was uh, younger, we used to always ask this question. I lived in um, Mississippi, rural Mississippi, and we lost power a lot. And so we would always go to school and we'd ask this question to each other. We'd be like, hey, would you rather live without power or without water? Because a lot of us lived on wells, so we could just pump our own water if we needed to. Or we, some, of, some of them lived inside of the city, so if the power went out, then you lost both power and water. And I used to grow up thinking that if I lost power, that was the worst thing because I wouldn't have electricity to run my TV and run my refrigerator and run my Xbox and my AC and all those things. But the older that I've gotten, and actually the longer that I lived in India where we lost power all the time and we still had water, I've learned that power and electricity is actually just a want. They're not necessities. 
But water itself is a necessity. Without water, you can't live. You can't drink. So here we have this picture in Jeremiah 2 of God saying, hey, these guys have hewed out broken cisterns for themselves. They can't even live because the water comes in and then just goes right out. But here, return back to the living water. The water inside of your house is used for cleaning. It's used for um, drinking and thirst. It's used for waste, right? We use water for a whole bunch of different things that are all necessities. They're not just wants. AC, that's a want. TV, something that we want, not something that we need. A lot of us look at Jesus like that. We say, Jesus, I really want you, but we don't need him or walk in him. So Jeremiah is saying that they're not only broken, but they can't fix their brokenness. Have you realized that you yourself are broken? Have you come to the fountain of living water? Are you coming to the fountain of living water daily so that he can fill you? Because if you see this cistern can only hold water, but a fountain of living water is continuously giving water. Are you just going and dipping a cup up and drinking a little bit? Or are you letting that fountain fill you continuously? only thing that we can really do with our brokenness is try to fix it, right? Is that what we should do is try to fix our brokenness? No. You can't fix your brokenness. You can't fix your sin. You can try. Heck, all of us do. Try to fix our sin. Well, man, I'm going to wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning. I'm going to read my Bible because that's my New Year's resolution. Lasts about 45 minutes. Because by 5.45, you're asleep already. You didn't read your Bible. You made your coffee. You set everything out. Today's the second. How many of us have already broken our um, New Year's resolution? Most of us, right? Maybe if, if you haven't, then just give it a week. You'll be there next week. But the only thing that we can do with our sin, our brokenness, is actually take it to the place where sin dies. Where is the place that sin dies? It died at the cross. Sin is gone. It's broken. We don't need it anymore. It's been killed. He broke all of our sin off of us at the cross. So he also gave us the opportunity at the cross to bring healing, spiritual healing, physical healing. Our minds, emotions, our bodies can receive from the Lord a healing that sets us free to be what we are meant to be. What are we meant to be? We're meant to be his but it's through that brokenness. Matthew 24, 44 gives us our two options here. Jesus is talking about the parable of the tenants, and he gets to a point in Matthew 42 where he talks about the scriptures and says that there's a cornerstone that's been rejected. And that cornerstone is Jesus, who's become the marvelous one. In Matthew 21, 44, he says... And the one who falls on this stone, who falls on this cornerstone of Jesus, will be broken to pieces. Here's your two options. You can be broken to pieces, or if it falls on you, and when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. 
Does that sound like fun? Don't sound like fun at all. Most of us are like, oh, yeah, when Jesus comes into our life, we're just going to be fixed really quickly. But actually what the scripture says is when Jesus comes, you will fall on him and you will be broken to pieces. All that you thought that you were, all that that you thought that you needed, all that you wanted will be broken off of you for that which you needed, which is more of him, to grow in him, to find him, to know him more. We can either be his, which leads us in a state of brokenness, maybe just an understanding of our brokenness is really what it is, or we can choose to be crushed by him. In God's economy, brokenness isn't a bad thing. Let's take a look at a couple of other verses. Flip over to Psalms 51. Psalm 51. We're going to look at Psalm 51, 17. It says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. O oh God, you will not despise. What are the things that God desires of us? He desires of us to realize our brokenness and not become resistant to him so that we can bring our brokenness to him. Let's take a look at at another verse and then we'll come back to this one. Isaiah 42, verse 1 through 3. Isaiah 42, 1 through 3. It says, Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one, whom my soul delights. Now, this is Isaiah prophesying about Jesus, the chosen one right here. So he's saying his servant, Jesus, whom he upholds, his chosen one, in whom his soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him, and he will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in secret. A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth his justice. What does that mean? A bruised reed he will not break. A faintly burning wick he will not quench. Or it won't snuff it out. What does that even mean? That's just kind of a weird thought there. The verse is talking about Jesus, the one who is upheld by the Lord. He's the one in whom God delights the one who, will, who, will, who even now has placed his spirit upon him and he's bringing forth to justice to nations, even right now. If a reed is stiff, then what happens when the wind comes to it? If it's stiff, it breaks, it snaps. But if a reed flows with the wind, if you've ever seen stood by, stood by the side of a pond or the side of a lake and you see the wind just blow and the reeds start wafting in the wind, it's a really cool, cool um, sight to see. But if they start wafting, if they just sit there stiff, then what will happen? They'll just snap. You ever thought about your own body? I was watching a lot of college football the last couple days. Um, if someone was hitting you, in, in, in this football, and you are stiff, what happens to your bones? They break, right? But God, in all of his amazing wisdom, he has put so many things in our bodies, like our joints, to allow us to be flexible and move. I'm not going to dance up here. I almost should. Nettie, should I dance? No, not, not right now. I'll do it next time. <clears throat> but, it, but it's so that we can move and be flexible, We have to have some give in us. And here's what 
we're talking about here in Isaiah 42, but also what we're talking about there in Psalm 51, is that a bruised reed, one that is flexible, one that is able to move, he will not break it. He'll tend to it. He will work with a broken and a contrite heart, a broken spirit. He'll work with it. But one that's immovable, what's he going to have to do? He'll break it. He will break it. If you, my friend, are a stubborn, stiff-necked people, like God called the Israelites so many different times, stubborn and stiff-necked, he will break you. He's going to get your attention one way or another. You choose and decide if you want to pay attention to him. He's going to get it. And you can either be broken by it or you can go with it. You can be flexible. My wife used to like, likes to always say, blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be broken. Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah, blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be broken. Same thing with trees. They sway with the wind. They bend under pressure, but they usually don't break. Sometimes they do. If they're too rigid, a tree will break. Even us that have been in the faith for a long time, if we become rigid in our faith, then we also will be broken. The Lord is saying here through Isaiah that Jesus will not bro- break a contrite and brokenhearted person. Someone who's looking to him and knows the state of his brokenness and is walking in a state of needing Jesus. That's what we're talking about. Our brokenness is actually knowing that we need Jesus. Most of us in the church walk around in that state of wanting Jesus. We look at Jesus as the car wash. I don't know if you guys are like me, but I look at our car and I want to wash it, but I don't ever wash it. I'm like, oh, I see that car wash. I'm like, I want to pull into that car wash and pay $5 every time I pull into church. Um, we go, we, well, actually, I started coming from this way. But when I come from Hole Street, I see that car wash. I'm like, Rio, I need to go there. I want to go there. I want this car to look clean. And I don't do it. It's something that's not necessary. We want to go to Jesus. We see that he is something that we want to do, but we don't actually do it. We want to go to him when someone's sick, when we've lost our job, when we've had a tragedy, maybe we're really convicted by something. So we want to go to him, and we go to him at those times. But we don't look at Jesus as that tap water in our house that we need. You need to drink that water. If you don't drink that water, then you will die. Jesus is our need, our thing that we need. And we have to come to him in brokenness. These two verses say that if we... Did I move this for yes, Sorry. These two verses say that if we are not just aware but actually walking in a state of brokenness, then we'll know that we need the repairman. That's Jesus. Then, we, then one, he won't despise us. Two, he won't break us. And three, he won't quench, quench us. And finally, he'll actually bring justice to us. That's Isaiah 42, one through three. A bruised reed he will not break, but a stiff reed he will. Let's take a look at Jeremiah 18. A really cool picture 
we see God speaking to Jeremiah, and he tells Jeremiah, he says, hey, Jeremiah, go down to the potter's house. I have something that I want to show you. So Jeremiah walks down to the potter's house, and we're going to pick up in verse 3 of Jeremiah 18. He says, so I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working at his wheel. And the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand, and he reworked it into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter. Then the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as I have done to the potter? Declares the Lord, behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so you are in my hand, O house of Israel. If at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will pluck up and break down and destroy it, and if that nation concerning which I have spoken turns from his evil, I will relent of the disaster that I intended to do. And if at any time I declare concerning a nation or kingdom that I will build and plant it, and it does evil in my sight, not listening to my voice, then I will relent of the good that I had intended to do to it. Now therefore say to the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I am shaping disaster against you and devising a plan against you. Return everyone from his evil ways and amend your ways and your deeds. So we see here that God tells Jeremiah, Go down to the potter's house. I want you to see something. He's working on this, this uh, bowl or this flask or this pot or whatever. He sees it, it gets a little wonky. Or maybe it's getting a little hard in this spot. So what does he do? He smashes it back down and starts to rework something else. How many of us in our lives have felt like God has done that? Hey, we're going somewhere, God. I'm getting to the place that you want me to do. I feel like that's what's actually happened in our life. Eight years in India, hey, we're going to the place. We're getting to where you want us to go. Hey, there's a global pandemic. I want you to come back home. Let me cancel your visas. It's uncomfortable. It's violent. doesn't feel good. But then he starts to rework as long as we're malleable, as long as we're soft in his hands, then he can begin to rework us. He can begin to move us. Like it says right here throughout the rest of it, the word comes back to Jeremiah. He gives him interpretation. He says, any nation, let's just say any person, because there's a nation, nations are ta ethne, which is any people group, any group of ethnic people. So let's just say any person or any family says, hey, God, I'm going to do this big thing. God says, I'm going to do this big thing in you. And then you start going off the rails. Then what's God going to do? I'll smash you back down. Uh, my kids like to play with Play-Doh a good bit. And I love Play-Doh, except for whenever it gets really hard. Because when Play-Doh gets really hard, it is no fun to break it back to pieces. You put a little bit of water on it, you smash it down a little bit more, then you put a little bit more water on it, you smash it down a little bit more. It's a violent process. And sometimes God has to get violent with us to break us down, to make us malleable, so that he can lead us in the way that he wants us to go. We love Psalm 23 because it's such a beautiful passage the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He maketh me lie down by green pastures. Tell you what, a shepherd is a violent person. <laughs> you, you know why they have a crook on their staff? Because sheep are dumb. And brother, sister, church, we are dumb. We know the way that we should go. We know the places that God is telling us not to go to. And still, we go those ways. 
Still, we tend to lead ourselves to those ways. But God, in his infinite mercy, in his infinite beauty, in his greatest act of grace, he takes that crook, sticks it around our little necks, and he yanks it. Boy, don't do that. And then you know what happens whenever you get yanked by the neck? Some whiplash comes in there. And then you hurt for a little while. What God wants us to do is embrace that brokenness. God, you saved me from the cliff. You saved me from the nematodes inside of the water. You saved me from this wickedness that I was going to do, this disaster that it says right here in Jeremiah 18. There's a disaster that's coming upon you unless you repent. Let me give you that brokenness. Let me break you so that I can do what I want to do through you. Most of us, though, if we're honest, whenever that happens, we resist it. We push back. We say, God, I don't like this. This is uncomfortable. You're supposed to bring me peace, right? I'm supposed to be peaceful right now. Not mourning, not hurting, not broken. Let's take a look at chapter 19. Because over in chapter 19, Jeremiah gets another word from the Lord. He says, hey, guys, we're going to get all of the elders together, the priests, and we're going to take them out into a valley. So he takes them out into a valley. He says, bring along a kenneled flask, a pot that's already been burned. So the potter at his house is just molding it. He hasn't put it inside of the kennel. Kiln? Kiln. There we go. Kennel is the place that a dog goes. Thank you. The kiln... (laughs) Oh, sometimes. <laughs> take, the, the Mississippi, take the boy out of Mississippi. You can't take the Mississippi out of the boy. Um, so you put him in the kiln, and then it burns, or it heats up, it bakes, and then the, the, the uh, compound of the, the, oh my goodness, I'm messed up now, the Compound of the clay, thank you, turns into porcelain. It turns different. It's no longer uh, clay anymore. And so even if you shatter that and you put a bunch of water on it and you try to make it back into clay, you can never rework it back into clay. So in the first part, we're talking about a malleable substance, clay that can be made. And even after you make that clay pot, you can still break it back down before you put it in the fire. You can let it bake out in the sun and just kind of sit there and get a little hot and harden, and you can turn that back into something else. But once it's gone through the fire, once it's been baked, it becomes something different. And so God tells Jeremiah to take this flask that's already been baked and take it out into the valley with these elders. We're going to pick it up in verse 10. And God tells Jeremiah, you shall break the flask inside of the men who go with you. And you shall say to them, thus says the Lord of hosts, you will break, oh, I will break this people and this city as one breaks a potter's vessel so that it can never be mended. When the Lord breaks us because we won't bend like the reed, we won't walk in a state of malleable, ready for the Lord to move us left or right, when he breaks us, we are unable to be mended like we were before. Some of us today are sitting in that spot We've been broken. God has taken something from us. We have been broken and we are hurt. The good thing is that God, he's the healer. He's the mender. He still wants to make us into something. 
it probably won't look like what it looked like before. It'll probably be much better than what we even could have imagined. But it's not what it was. Brother and sister, don't resist God. Don't make him break you, because he will. He will break you. God's desire for each of us is to be soft and malleable. If we're stiff to his leading or resistant to what he has for us, then he will have to break us. Here's our second type of brokenness. Let's take a look at 2 Corinthians 4 through 7. Remember I told you in the beginning that there's two different types of brokenness. First, we talked about people being broken. The second is a walking in a state of brokenness. Or sorry, that's, that's the first part. Walking in a state of brokenness. Understanding that we're broken and we need the repairman. 2 Corinthians 4. I don't have enough time to go through this whole passage, but this is a wonderful passage. Please go back and read it for complete context of what we're talking about here inside of this. But in 4.7, he says, We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We ourselves are clay pots. What happens with a clay pot? It cracks. It begins to break. Your body is going to break down. I know that you young people don't believe it. Um, I'm 34. The year of 2021 has taken its toll on my youngish body. I am going to PT right now for my knee, for my hip, for my ribs. And all that happened in like the last three weeks. <laughs> Hurt my toe the other day. My body's just breaking down, you know? Some of you guys that are twice my age are looking at you and saying, boy, get ready. It's coming for you more. You just starting. This body's starting to show cracks. This earthen vessel is starting to show cracks. But in a spiritual sense, we need our spiritual vessel to start to show cracks. Verse 6 of chapter 4 says, For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This treasure that is inside each one of our earthen vessels is the light of Jesus Christ. Colossians 127 Make sure I'm telling you that right. Colossians 1.27 says that the mystery of the gospel is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in the Gentiles, Christ in the Jews. is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Our inner spiritual earthen vessel has to begin to show cracks so that the light can shine through. Christ wants to break us down spiritually so that he can shine through us, so that he can be the one that is the light. As we walk in a brokenness towards Christ, he truly will slowly break us so that his spirit can shine through us. And this is a different breaking than shattering us to pieces. He instead is removing and peeling back, peeling back layers of our flesh As we give ourselves to Christ and we surrender ourselves over to him, it's almost like you begin to put your hand in and then your hand is no longer yours anymore. 
then you begin to put your up to your elbow in, and your elbow is no longer yours anymore. So this can over here play with games and do whatever it wants to do, but this is the Lord's. He's taken it from you. You've surrendered it over to him. He's conquered it from you. Another way to think of this brokenness is actually surrendering. In Galatians 2.20, Paul makes it really clear. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Brothers and sisters, spiritually, have you received the gift of Jesus Christ? You've received the light. It's in your heart. But you are still a closed-off earthen vessel. You've put all your chariots, all your horses, all the king's men to make sure that Humpty Dumpty doesn't fall off and break. All of your theological beliefs, all of your doctrine is right around there. Nope, can't break it. Can't break me. I'm stiff-arming everything. No, the Lord is saying, you have to break so that I can shine my light out of you. Let me remove this big piece of this pot right here. Let me just crack it off and move it. Hey, look, that's mine now. You don't have to carry that anymore. I can now shine my light through that broken part of you. You had some depression? Let me break it off of you and take it off. Now the light of Christ can shine through that area. Brother, you had some addiction over here? Let me break it off and throw it over there. The light of Christ can now shine through that area. Not just in you, but through you. He wants to break those things off of us. And that's how we can actually look at this 2 Corinthians 4 verse, and we can say the things that happen in verses 8 through 12, where it says, we're afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Why? Because the light of Christ is there. He can break us and let us be afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. We're not shattered into pieces like the flask. Instead, we're just reshaped like the potter. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Why? Because we're always carrying in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be manifested. For we who live are always being given over to death. We're allowing him to break us for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death at work in us is life at work in you. Amen. First Peter 1 shares with us a really fun little insight into that. In verses 6 and 7, we see that Peter says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been given by various trials. The people that Peter's writing to right now are the dispersion. They've been persecuted. They've been pushed out of Jerusalem. So he's saying, for right now, for a little while, you have been given over to various trials. But why? So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You're going to go through the fire, my friend. And he's going to purge stuff from your life. He's going to break things off of you. Don't be resistant. If he's knocking on your heart right now, saying, I want to break that off of you, give it over to him. Surrender it over to him in the name of Jesus. 
What a great way to start 2022 by surrendering over to Jesus in your brokenness so that he can shine through in his marvelous light. All right, let's wrap this up. Go back to Isaiah 42. We were there a long time ago. I was only supposed to talk for five minutes. Not really, I'm just playing. <clears throat> this is our bruised reed chapter. Let's just take a look at verses five through nine. Thus God, the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and the spirit to those who walk in it. This is God saying who he is, what he does, Okay. I will take you, oh, sorry, I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant to the people, as a light for the nations, to open up the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeons, from the prisons those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. Behold, behold. The former things have come to pass, and the new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you. God's doing a new thing in your life, brother and sister. He wants to break you free. He wants to open up your blind eyes. He wants to open up my blind eyes. He wants to set me free from dungeons that I've already put myself in. He wants to set you free. He wants to set our church free. He wants us communally to become a greater force for his name because he's, the old things have passed away. Let the dead bury the dead. I'm doing a new thing. Come and follow me. As we look and we think about this new year and what the Lord wants to do in us and in Calvary Chapel in the world, his revival is really only going to come through Breaking. We say, breakthrough, Lord. Have a breakthrough. Well, to break through, you have to break something. <laughs> you have to break something. He has to break us, our hearts, our stubbornness, our sin. What's the Lord want to break in you? What's he asking you to come out of darkness in so that he can turn you into a new thing? Will you let go of your hard-hearted, stubborn ways that he's convicting you of and live a life of broken and malleableness or malleable, broken life in his marvelous light? I'm going to pray for us. Um, the elders are going to be up here after, elders and deacons are going to be up here after church. If you want to talk about any of this, we'd love to talk about it with you. We'd love to pray with you. Man, I really feel like God's knocking on this piece of my life and he really just wants to break it off of me. I really feel like I've been really hard and stubborn over here and I can feel he's, he's trying to need me, need, yeah, he's trying to need me and mold me and I'm just really hard on that part. I don't want him to break that part, but he wants to break it off of you so that he can free you and open you up into a new thing that he wants to bring. Let's pray. Father God, I just ask that you would move in your power and your spirit, Lord.
that you would free us up, that you would break us of any hard parts. God, that you would let us know, um, bring to that revelation to us, that knowledge that we need to be broken. God, that we are broken people. And not just wanting to be fixed, Lord, but needing to be fixed. Lord, we ask that you would begin to break us spiritually, break, break us out of our box, God. Take the things that we're holding on to, these earthen vessels that we're holding on to, so that your marvelous light can shine through. Begin to crack us open so that your light can shine. Begin to remove chunks and pieces so that we can walk in this marvelous light, shining your life through death, Lord. We pray all these things in your powerful name. Amen.